If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. And yes, 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 I'm your host, Todd Huff. Email, as always, folks, I appreciate the emails, the comments and questions and feedback on social media. Do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Email is Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com, slash Todd Huff Show. For those that want to watch the program live and on demand, and again, thanks for, thanks Facebook for allowing us to participate on your platform again for reasons uh, that you never could explain to us why we were not allowed to participate to begin with. (laughs) So we've got that problem fixed and getting back into the swing of things there. So um, last night, night number three of the Republican National Convention, night number four tonight, Trump makes his big speech, the the culmination of this event, and of course there's going to be a lot to discuss with that. If I'm being candid, I've even considered, I've considered, I don't know if I'll do this, um, I talked about this, well I didn't talk about this, I thought about this last night, thought about doing um, some live streaming and um, you know providing our own commentary of the convention tonight, I don't know if I can do that or not, I bet it's something I've considered those things are late. When you have to do the program and get up and prepare, that's that's kind of late to do all that. But it's something that we might do. And if we do decide to do that, we'll announce that on Facebook and maybe even send out uh, an email to our email newsletter subscribers, which, by the way, is free. com slash subscribe if you want to subscribe there. But anyway, um, so last night, Vice President Pence spoke. And I think the news... Uh, the news from last night, or I, th- I think the, the narrative here is really not so much the content, not so much the content, but really of, of the particular speeches, which of course, which of course were solid. I mean, we knew that, um, we, you know, we, we kind of know what to spec, expect from Vice President Mike Pence, solid, consistent, um, of course, he's a, a native Hoosier here, so we, a lot of folks have that interest in him here, that kind of personal connection, but just um, you know, a good, solid, reliable, conservative, Christian man. And I think he, he hit those points. I mean, you're not you, well, what you get with Pence is obviously not what you get with President Trump. I mean, President Trump's speech is going to um, 
really create a lot of excitement on one side and a lot of disgust and disdain and all that sort of stuff on the other. I mean, it's going to be – this is just – but it's where the energy is too. But but Pence – I think Pence did what Pence needed to do. And uh, you know, this convention has by and large gone off with without any hitches. I mean there were a few hiccups I think I saw, but nothing big, nothing big, nothing anywhere near – what we've seen with the Democrat convention, which, of course, un- I say unfortunately is is how a lot of people view this. They look, they just watch waiting for something to happen, uh, someone to misspeak, misquote someone, which happened yesterday, but, or, you know, not exactly saying the, the quote right or whatever, but the, nothing major. This, the, we've gone through three nights now. The Republican convention has been one that, I think it's been solid in, in a lot of a lot of areas, a lot of good speakers, a lot of folks that are, you know, making it known about their feelings for this great nation, the great ideas that have been implemented and set in place that this nation is founded upon. So I think last night was another solid performance, but I think that the the news or the narrative is how does the convention or how did the convention now you know deal with some of these other things going on as i'm watching fox news here in the background this morning hurricane laura is coming ashore wind gusts near the center what 150 miles an hour 12 or 15 to 20 feet of, of storm surge in southwest louisiana uh, just a massive powerful storm so you have that happening literally um you know right in the at the high point of the convention, what do you say from the Republican stage about this? Um, how you know? Do you just acknowledge it? Do you speak more directly to it? How do you manage? You you know how this goes. Anytime there's a disaster, um, federal federal government is going to to respond. There's going to be FEMA dollars and all this stuff and, and help and support sent to the region, which it should be. I'm not suggesting it shouldn't be. I'm simply saying this is going to be the narrative moving forward. I'm sure it's going to be, you know, did President Trump do his job? Should he have Should he have canceled? I wonder at some point if there will be questions about that. Should President Trump even cancel a speech because, because of this hurricane? He's got to focus on running the FEMA response. Of course, there's leadership and then there's, you know, the actual boots on the ground, so to speak. Trump is not the boots on the ground. He's providing the leadership. So giving a speech should not be a big deal, but it is the optics of this. And, of course, there's uh, considerations need to be put into this. But anyway, so that's going on. In addition to that, we have this Kenosha, Wisconsin situation. And I've deliberately – and I, I think for those of you that listen to this program – Regularly, you'll know that I don't, I don't jump directly into these, um, these tragedies where there's police and a, a victim that's been shot, a, a black victim. In, in many cases today, is um, you know, with with Black Lives Matter movement and and just the the concerns there and the tensions, the situation with uh, this latest victim. Or this, I, I don't. I want to be. I'm, what I'm saying is, I don't jump right into it because of this very thing. We don't know information. We're still gathering details. 
Uh, but for some people, they saw, you know, a, a black man shot by police in Kenosha, Wisconsin, in the in the back. He did not. Um, he, he survived. He's been his uh, spinal cord was partially severed, and he's now, I believe, at, paralyzed in some capacity, from what I'm from what I understand, and has other obviously uh, wounds and issues that he's trying to recover from as well. And look, we, a lot of folks just want to jump right in. As I've said before, and take this issue aside. I know this is a very emotional issue for a lot of folks, um, and I, I understand this. You've got law enforcement trying to do its job. I'm talking about big law enforcement. I'm not speaking about specific officers because, you know, we still are gathering information, but law enforcement officers, I think we should all be able to agree, should be able to do their jobs and do what needs to be done within the confines of the law without worrying about whether the actions they're taking um, will be interpreted differently based upon the any, anything about the suspect or the person that they're encountering. And so we don't want officers to be put in difficult situations to where they don't know how to respond. We don't want to see anyone of any color to be um, to be the victim of, of law enforcement officers who um, who do things that are outside what is justifiable. Obviously, we don't want anyone to be shot if that can be avoided. Obviously, but we also can't say just as a blanket statement that there's never an instance that this is that this is justifiable. And unfortunately, we're well past that in this country. To have a legitimately candid conversation about these things, candid and, and to try to present them and to recognize the real problems, challenges, and so forth, uh, I think many people have lost their abilities, unfortunately, to talk about this responsibly and, and truthfully because it's not – usually what happens is the initial – reports come out and there's some general narrative and then there's other information even it doesn't look and i want to be careful here it doesn't mean that it exonerates somebody it just means that turns out that you can't just go off of the first 15 minutes of reporting that you hear it even happened in the george floyd situation which again i'm not saying justifies the officer i'm saying the story becomes different when the whole picture is understood again I'm I'm coming at this trying to be fair and objective and reasonable. Most people come at this. Um, either, there's either two two ways. They're they're obviously fearful um, or concerned about how law enforcement interacts with Black Americans. Which look, I do understand that there are people who are legitimately concerned about that because they've seen, or you know, there's there's been. Um, a series of, of cases that they point to. And I understand that many of those cases, I always point out Michael Brown because it's so far from what we were told is so far from reality that it's not even, it's not even a legitimate example. It's an example of officer Darren Wilson doing what he had to do to, to save his own life when being attacked by a large 
man in in his car right i mean this this is what actually turned out to be the case it wasn't that he shot michael brown in the street who had his hands up that's simply not what happened and so we don't know we do have video some video some grainy video at first they showed video of officers kind of chasing or following jacob uh, blake and shooting him in the back seven times they fired a weapon seven times i think from what i read four actually struck him kids in the back of the car but there was you know they 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 shot him as he opened the back door of the car well there's another video that since surfaced that shows mr blake fighting or scuffling with officers before this happened there's been reports that the officers said that he had a knife and I read this morning that the uh, Wisconsin, I don't know, the, the district attorney or the, I don't know who, who it was. I'll, I'll pull that up next uh, next segment. But it's now known that he had a knife in the back of the car. He was not complying. Look, I'm not saying that it, we just have to piece it together. We have to see, the we, we can't just react to these things there are instances and this is not popular to say and i do not want one single person of any color whatever to be shot by law enforcement to be harmed or hurt or hit by law enforcement that doesn't need that 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 does that's where those actions are not justifiable. I don't want that to be the case, but we have to acknowledge there are instances where that is absolutely necessary. That is necessary. Doesn't mean that officers should immediately go there, but we cannot expect them to put themselves in situations where they are dealing with people who have weapons. We have to be understanding of their perspective, too. And that's just all I ask for, just perspective. Even with George Floyd case, that was really the thing, you know, I'd hoped for, for the, from the beginning, but we're, we're just past that. People have their assumptions right away. You know, again, police officers do make mistakes. Police officers sometimes are individually terrible human beings. It's not indicative of the vast majority of them. And, you know, there are instances, God forbid, where a law enforcement officer is absolutely justified in using his or her weapon, be it a taser or a firearm, in defense of him or herself. And we have to acknowledge that. I think if we all acknowledge that and we're able to discuss this, um, things would, but that's just, it's just not, that's not where we are. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but I want to talk about this. I don't. I don't want to talk about this because the truth is there's still stuff we don't know. You know, I just compare this back to when I was on a jury for a – in fact, I was telling someone this story briefly yesterday that this – being on a jury and it took two and a half weeks. It involved the death of a five-year-old boy. But you have to get all the information before you decide how you're going to cast your, your vote, guilty or not guilty. And there was also some discussion about that. It wasn't just something that we did willy-nilly. It took hours. And yes, I was the hold <laughs> I was the hold up on, on one side. I was the last person that changed my vote to guilty just because I wanted to make certain that was our job, that there's absolutely no other way to interpret what happened. 
and I guess, I guess you can see, you know, we're, we're trained to make snap dis, uh, dis, decisions, judgments constantly. I mean, we're told by the media. I don't, we're, we're, I guess we're, I don't know if we're directly told, but it's, it's expected that when something happens, whatever it is, take this, you know, this terrible situation aside and just look at anything in, in society. Who did it? What's their political affiliation? What's their race? What's their gender? Do they agree with me on political issues? And based upon the answers to those questions, I'm supposed to say whether or not it's good or bad, whether or not I agree with said actions. And that is just not the way that this is supposed to work. In fact, the court system does a goes to great lengths to make sure that you put aside all prejudices. There's certain things they won't even let you hear in the courtroom as a juror because they think that that will unnecessarily bias you against the defendant. Now, sometimes you might hear it and think that was, you know, after the fact, you might realize other things you didn't know at the time. And you might think, man, that would have been an interesting thing to know because maybe sometimes it isn't truly just biasing you, maybe, or making you biased. Maybe at times it's really relevant information. But you don't want people to have a bias against someone and then making a decision based upon that bias. And unfortunately, what we're encouraged to do in the media is exactly, I think, the opposite. So I'm going to talk about this. I want to play a soundbite of something I heard after last night's convention as they were analyzing things on ABC. I want to play that as kind of the segue between convention and all this, uh, where we are with, with this, this latest Kenosha situation. And, of course, the rioting that comes from this. So we'll talk about those things when we get back. Sit tight. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. All right, welcome back. Navigating um, difficult situations here. Again, this is... This is uh, something I don't, again, I, I deliberately don't talk about immediately because we just don't know information. You can't see a five-second video clip of something tragic where law enforcement officers shoot a suspect who's going into his car um, and, and make a complete judgment. Unfortunately, that is where, that is where we are in this country today. The headline, or being able to, to say a statement, police shoot another black man. This time they shoot a man in the back um, becomes becomes the narrative. Becomes the narrative with kids in the back of his car. So I'm, gonna, I'm pausing here. I was going to play the soundbite first, but I think what I want to do instead... I think I want to actually uh, read to you from an article, an article here. Um, This is at Fox 6 Milwaukee, fox6now.com. Kenosha, Wisconsin officials with the Wisconsin Department of Justice, DOJ, Division of Criminal Investigation, on Wednesday evening, August 26, released the name of the officer who shot Jacob Blake Sunday, August 23rd. Kenosha police officer 
Rustin Shesky, a seven-year veteran of the department. DOJ officials said Blake, quote, admitted that he had a knife in his possession Sunday evening. DOJ officials, this is kind of telling us what happened here, said Kenosha police were dispatched to a residence near 28th Street and 40th Avenue after a female caller reported that her boyfriend was present and was not supposed to be on the premises. During the incident, officers attempted to arrest Blake. Now, I want to pause if you... um, the full story, and it's not clear. Again, it's not clear. So hear me out. I'm not justifying or saying anything, but just this is information that's relevant. It's relevant to understand in the in the picture of what happened here with with Jacob Blake. This is from Newsweek. A warrant for Jacob's uh, Blake's arrest was issued against Jacob Blake, but it's unclear. Important point here. It's unclear if police were aware of it when they shot the 29 year old black man on Sunday. Prosecutors in Kenosha County, Wisconsin, charged Blake, 29, with third-degree sexual assault, trespassing, and disorderly conduct in connection with domestic abuse last month, according to the Kenosha News. An arrest warrant for Blake was issued on July 6th. Now, the newspaper reported here, it says, that a woman living in the 2800 block of 40th Street told police in May that Blake, her ex-boyfriend, had come into her home and taken her keys and vehicle. She also said he had touched her sexually without consent. So that was the charges. Again, charges, listen, I want to be abundantly clear. Someone's being charged by the police doesn't mean that the police get to go in and shoot them. That's not at all. It's amazing to me how people take these terms and statements and just information and use it out of context, which we'll play this soundbite, and I want you to hear the argument that's made by the far, far left. So these are two different articles. So one, you're an officer. You've been called to the scene of a crime. Well, you've been called to the scene of a domestic dispute. And the caller, the female caller, says that her boyfriend was present. He's not supposed to be present. Now, if they knew once they ran the name, who knows? These things happen quickly, and I'm not in that World, I don't know how quickly they can pull up this information, but these officers have access to you know, computerized information. You've seen the computers in the in the front of their of their cars, front of their vehicles. So the, it's possible, or the dispatcher could have said, um, you know, there's a warrant for the individual in question. I don't know if that's the case, but it could have been. So it's possible that you're called to the premises. Where you have an understanding that you are about to encounter an individual who has been charged, alleged, he's been, it's been alleged by the woman making the phone call that just, that recently, um, actually he, he was charged, I should say. So you could, you shouldn't, you would possibly, possibly know that, that you're en route to engage with someone who has recently, been alleged to have committed third-degree sexual assault, trespassing, and disorderly conduct, probably against the same victim because it's the same, the same address. It said the forty-eight or the twenty-eight hundred block of Fortieth Avenue. This is at Twenty-eighth Street and Fortieth Avenue. So you're on the way there, and that's that's what you're thinking. You get there, 
you get there, you have a physical altercation with the suspect. The suspect, and you can see in this part of the video, is walking around the car, walking around the car, not listening to law enforcement, ignoring them. They've got weapons drawn at this point. Again, I'm just painting the picture here. Painting the picture. He's not complying. He's not listening. There just was a physical altercation. At some point, it's hard to see from that other video specifically what that looked like. But there was a physical altercation, and he did not comply. So then he opens the back of his car and leans in. So again, I it's it's. I think we have to we have to put ourselves into the positions of. The law enforcement officer here, you, you don't know what he's getting. He was just violent against you. He's, he's non-compliant. You may know, you may know that he has um, been charged with, with uh, what were the actual charges here? He was charged with third degree sexual assault, trespassing, and disorderly conduct. Now, it's my understanding he has no other criminal history. So it's not, I mean, I don't want to paint the picture that this is some violent, you know, multiple offender because I don't believe that that's the case. And again, I'm not, knowing the charges doesn't mean anything. It just means it changes your perspective a little bit. Now I'm dealing with a guy that's been accused of bad things in the same area and he's not complying. He just got physical. He's walking around briskly to his car, opens the door, leans in quickly and now that officer decides to fire his weapon. So my only point in saying all this, and I know this upsets people, this will, I'm, it may still not be, I don't, I don't know, but it, it may not be justifiable. I'm just saying it's a much different situation than what we're told at the beginning, which is officers shoot an unarmed black man in Kenosha, Wisconsin in the back. You can say that those facts are true, although there was a knife in the car, and he admitted to such. So, you know, you just – again, these are not things we can know about in 30 seconds. 30 seconds after being told what to believe by a dishonest media. We don't believe the media really on anything. And so now we have this chain reaction. Now we have the city on fire. Now we have people justifying actions that are being taken by people burning the city on fire or burning the city down, setting the city afire. So, which I don't know if you saw the CNN, I'll talk about that too, but CNN, CNN is something else, man. The way that they reported on part of this, I'll, I'll share that. But I want to share the soundbite from one of the, the uh, folks last night at the convention. She is a leftist. And she talked about this. So I want to play what she said now that we kind of have reviewed kind of what we know about what happened here. And it's tragic. I wish it didn't have the – I wish it didn't go that way. I'm open and all people should be open to maybe – maybe something was done inappropriately here, but maybe something wasn't. Maybe maybe the officer really thought that he had a gun. He wasn't complying. I mean there's there's things that matter here that we weren't told – at the beginning, and you're given 0.2 seconds to make your decision as to what you believe. So, that being said, time for me to take a time out. We'll come back. I'll share this soundbite, talk about this more. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. 
Welcome back. So last night, I've been watching this convention on ABC, and I've watched every night of both conventions on ABC because i got to be honest, I get a little bit of entertainment from watching the reactions. I, I get some... It's just amazing. And even my 11-year-old son, believe it or not, I don't... You know, I just let him observe and, and put his own thoughts together on this stuff. But that first night, I think I mentioned it on here, he said, speaking of the panelists and the people at ABC, he said, they, he said Dad, they were a lot more excited last week. <laughs> so I said, yes, they were, weren't they? They were much more excited and upbeat and optimistic in talking about the Democrat National Convention than they were about the Republican one. And this, this is part of the problem. See, they'll say, well, everything we said on paper is true. In fact, last night I saw who, someone came out and said something. I forget who it was. He was a former athlete. Maybe Oz can help me with this. And after he spoke, the only thing George Stephanopoulos said was, it should be pointed out that the SEC is looking into or has filed, uh, an inv- I don't know what the where they are, you know, from a perspective of um, the process. But basically, this guy's been accused of insider trading. I told I, I told my wife last night, I said, you know, every time I talk about Joe Biden now, I'm going to say Joe Biden's been accused of, you know, here's a Joe Biden clip I should point out after you listen to that, that Joe Biden's been accused of rape by Tara Reid. But that's how it's done. It's subtle. Oh, but, you know, we didn't say anything wrong. Except you just approach it differently. For one side, you get excited. You tell us how oh, it's just a monumental, it's it's you know, historic with a, the first black female vice president maybe in American history, all these things happening. But when the Republicans come up, and by the way, I should point out that the, the guy that they're speaking about was black. And George Stephanopoulos wanted you to know that he's been accused of or investigated for insider trading that's the only thing he wanted you to hear after that just let you know this it should be pointed out are you gonna what about clinton bill clinton spoke during the democrat national convention i didn't hear i didn't hear about kathleen willie of course george i didn't hear george stephanopoulos tell his listeners that oh yeah by the way i worked for that guy i was in that administration i mean it's just remarkable the more i think about this Anyway, I told you I'd play this clip. I'm, I'm going to do this. Yvette Simpson, she's one of the panelists on ABC. So she's up there with these clowns like George Stephanopoulos. But this is what she says last night at the end of the convention, night number three. And it, it pertains to uh, Jacob Blake and, and, and that situation. So I wanted to play that in light of what we just talked about this uh, previous part of the hour. Here you go. Tonight, we heard Vice President Pence address the unrest in Wisconsin, calling for an end to the violence stemming from protesters. Yvette, was this a sufficient enough response to the shooting of Jacob Blake? No. I mean, he didn't even mention Jacob Blake's name. And he spent more time talking about the quote-unquote violence of protesters rather than the fact that a lot of the violence has either been brought on by the folks who were supposed to bring peace, as we saw in Portland, or people like Kyle Rittenhouse, who was empowered by police officers with his gun. And after shooting protesters was allowed to go home 
I mean, it, 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 even though folks said he just shot three people, he was able to go home. Jacob Blake didn't have a gun and he was not allowed to go home. He was he was shot in the back by officers. I mean, this is this is the tale again of two Americas. When I hear Vice President Pence speak, I hear about an America that sounds like this amazing place. It just doesn't apply to all of us. He talks about freedoms. Black people would love to be free from oppression. Women would love to be free from body control. LGBTQ plus people would love to be free to live their lives like every other human. Again, he's talking about these ideals, but he's only talking to people who are like him. And that's not America. And it's really hard to listen to that in the wake of what's happening in Wisconsin and the outcry of so many people, black and brown and white, all marching together to say all black people are saying is we want to live. Why is that so hard? It's really frustrating. Sarah, would you say that the... Okay. So... That is, that is what she said about that last night. I'll talk about that. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about some of what she said, but I've got to take a break. I'm up against a, a timeout here, so we'll, we'll do that, come back, and discuss what Yvette Simpson said last night about Pence's speech, particularly what he did, uh, what he said or maybe didn't say about uh, Jacob Blake, Kenosha, the emotional situation the feelings and the tensions and the worries and concerns and so forth so do that when we get back sit tight be back in just a minute welcome back so yvette simpson Said last night, ABC, after Pence's speech, talking about what he said in per, um, pertaining to the violence and in response, not just the violence in response to, but the, the, the initial incident between law enforcement and Jacob Blake, then the response to that. And so... Um, she basically said the America that Vice President Pence was talking about was pretty much just theoretical. It was theoretical. It didn't exist for certain people in this country. It may exist for one group of people, but not for another group of people. In particular, she's speaking, she mentioned, uh, she said black and brown uh, people do not have the same it's not the same America because of incidents like like this, because of incidents like even though she didn't she didn't say it, but George Floyd or take your pick. She would probably list Michael Brown as well, which of course, as I've said before, is not doesn't fall into this category whatsoever. Justice. This is one of my problems with with the way that this is approached. Sometimes justice justice really doesn't. It is not concerned with any factor. In fact, meaning it shouldn't be. True justice is not concerned about any any factor. You shouldn't say that someone who looks a certain way or has a certain characteristic or is a certain gender can do one thing, but another can't. That's not justice, and that's why. I, I actually don't like terms like racial justice, economic justice. I just I think in terms of justice, 
And they also sometimes want to make some things, you know, under this umbrella of justice. I mean, economic justice being an example. I don't, um, if you're being defrauded, that's not just. But if, you know, if someone agrees to work and to get compensated for a certain, you know, certain amount of money, to be compensated a certain amount of money and they agree to do that, and they've been asked to do that by the employer and they're compensated for that, I don't, like that's not economic injustice. That's just foreign foreign way of thinking to me. But anyway, it is it is just it is just both of these things are just. It is just that when you have an encounter with law enforcement that if you comply and listen to what they tell you to do, then you should be able to remain safe, have no worries about your physical safety. That is just, regardless of any other thing. It doesn't matter who you are, what you look like, any of that stuff. Shouldn't, and true true justice. Likewise, if you're a law enforcement, uh, law, law enforcement officer, it would be just for us to say, you're taking on this responsibility on behalf of your society, your community, your neighborhood, your town, county, city, whatever, state. You are entrusted to enforce the law to make sure that people comply, especially people who are, you know, potentially a harm to other people. We empower you to carry out the enforcement of said law. We want you to use as little of force as possible, but we it is just to say we are, we are willing to give you the right to use to recognize your right to use as much force as necessary. We don't give you the right, I guess that's something given by God, so I misspoke there. But we recognize that you have the right to protect yourself using up to and including deadly force if necessary, but we hope and pray that that's never the case. We don't want it to ever get to that point. But again, that's not where this conversation goes. Instead, instead where this ends up going is to the, almost to the point to where certain reactions after the fact, with the burning and the looting and so forth, those things are actually, in some circles, excused or almost... Uh, there's people are justified in, in that, and that's not right either, folks. That's not right either. I got to take a time out. Getting near the end of this uh, this first hour, we'll continue. By the way, hour two on YouTube. But I got to take a time out here. You're listening to Conservative, not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Folks, that is about all of the time I have here in hour number one. I don't like talking about this stuff because I mean this this is this is there's a lot there's a lot that goes on with this. Meaning there's there's a lot of emotions, there's a lot of assumptions, there's a lot of tension, there's a lot of all sorts of stuff. But we have to be able to look at these these things objectively. We have to be able to understand that. It's much deeper than what we hear in the first news clip about a story. And it's just, it's remarkable. As a result of this, we see cities burning down and justified by some folks. Anyway, I got to go. Hour number two on YouTube. See you there in a minute. SDG, thanks for listening. <laughs> 